So I'm not sure if you know. I'm not sure if you know. So part of my, what I'm doing, I'm writing a lot of essays nowadays. And there's a lot of time where I'm checking certain English words. And uh, I find joy sometimes in, in finding words that my professor argues that it's not a real word, but it is. It is a real word. And he, 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 he marks my, my assignment, he, he corrects that, and I say, no, 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 no. It's a real word. And we have this back and forth, and I always win because I check Oxford. <laughs> but did you know, did you know that four years ago, 27 Singlish words was officially included in the Oxford English Dictionary. And one of the words I didn't know till, till, till recently when I was preparing for this sermon, that I always use. I, you know, government is spelled G-O-V-T-N-M-E-N-R, and I always spell it as gamen, G-A-H-M-E-N. It's a real word. G-A-H-M-E-N is officially a recognized word in the Oxford English Dictionary. Gamen. And of course, the legendary la is the official word. So when I write my dissertation, I can say, don't worry, everything okay la. And it has to be accepted. The word ayah, A-I-Y-A-H, is an official English word. Ayah, okay la. Proper grammatical sentence. <laughs> so strange. It baffles me. Um, which also tells us that Language, culture, practices becoming very, very subjective. I was kind of proud of a small little 5 million people country. We can put 27 words of our parochial, colloquial language into the official world of English. So does it mean we'll see more of that in various academic assignments? I don't know. But let me sh go through some today that I, I'm um, trying to put into the Oxford Dictionary. Can. It's one of the most efficient words in the world. Would you like to come to worship tomorrow? Can? Have you eaten dinner? Oh, do you want to go for dinner? Can. Or you can do it as a question. Can? Can you help? Can? Can. Can. Three can settle everything. <laughs> for example, do you like this? Can or not? Yes, it can. Or can I? Or can be can I? Awesome word, Oxford. Second word, one. I know Akabunzing loves this word. One. It's a very good word. This one, who's one, ah? Huh? Whose thing is this? This one, who's one, ah? Huh? Your answer, my one. Or you can say, then, my one there? Where is mine? Right? Or, your one down there. One. Wonderful word. Should be included. Not just as a numerical counting number, but in our Singlish version of it. Then, without the TH, has to be the D. Then, later then talk. We'll discuss this matter later. Never put parking coupon, then tio saman. Yeah, very good word, right? So it means you get a traffic fine for not putting proper coupon. But now we don't use coupon anymore. We use the parking app, parking.sg, right? Uh, so, so, uh, so the others I would not go through. Maybe not so proper, but it's from. Uh, <laughs> but then is a good word. When if you say, if like that, then how? Then like that, law. Such an interesting conversation. One time I had a, my housemate from Hong Kong. My sis came to visit me, 
And oh, my sis, apart from Singlish, we have like the Tamish, right? So we went out. My friend is a really talkative dude, right? We talk all the time in the house. We chat, we laugh, we talk about nonsense. And then we went out for dinner. And then, oh, for one and a half hours, my friend was quiet. I like, Phil. <laughs> Phil. I like, why are you so quiet? James, ah, I don't understand what you're saying. Then I realized, you know, the Malay came out, the Tamil came out, the English, the Hokkien, the Teochew, the Cantonese, in one sentence, and my friend was totally lost. But the thing about Singlish is, it's, it's funny, but it can also bring back some bad memories for me. This is Monash University. Monash University. Um, I never got to, to study in this building because it was building while I was there. It finished building the year I finished. <laughs> so anyway, it's the IT engineering uh, part of Monash University, my school. And one of the things that when I went there is I didn't enroll in a traditional Asian course. All right, my course was called The Bachelor of Multimedia and Business. It's a bomb. Most Singaporeans do Bachelor of Business, Bachelor of Accounting, Bachelor of Business Management or Administration, Bachelor of IT, and none of those. So I, uh, my class was, was uh, very interesting. I was the only Asian in a class of 30. And, I was like 30. and so as I interacted with my friends, one of my good friends, Stephen, one day suddenly turned to me, James, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Singapore. He's like, huh? How can it be? I'm like, why? First of all, you're in this course. No logical, right-minded Singaporean will be in this course. There's no future. You can't make money. I said, how do you know? I said, I, I tried to hang out. Keyword, try. Tried to hang out with some Singaporeans. I said, why didn't you continue hanging out with them? They didn't like me very much. I said, is that true? I said, he said yeah. So I decided to go and enroll myself in the Singaporean club in Monash University. Oh, it felt like home, you know? You will share curry chicken recipe, reminiscence about the best satay in Singapore. You talk about all the convenience of shops not closing at 4 p.m. Then you realize, after a little while, that it's, it is true. The Singaporeans only hung out with the Singaporeans. Although, yeah, we are a Singaporean club, but even like in our classes, during lunchtime, that group doesn't hang out with anybody else. And then I realized there was a reputation of the Singaporean groups as being very Tao. Of course, they didn't say that. Very, very proud and don't want to hang out with people and they think they're better than everybody else. And I didn't like that. Of course, I didn't like that labeling placed upon the Singaporean group, but I realized that those labels were true. And when I was with them, that was who I hung out with all the time. So I intentionally quit the club and, and stopped hanging out with them. Stop hanging out with them. Uh, it took me years later to realize, then I became the other guy that was discriminating against the Singaporean group. It's a dual discrimination, you see. The Singaporean group was discriminating against others, others were discriminating against Singaporeans. wasn't a very pleasant experience. But at the same time, it, uh, it challenged me to think, what makes you Singaporean? What makes you who you are? Then I went to my next school in Andrews University, and I realized that what can happen, what is possible. And so... 
again, I'm in Andrews University, and again, I'm the only Chinese seminarian until the next year when my friend Lion Howe came, came from L.A. Most of the black-haired Asians were Koreans. Koreans. And, and lo and behold, I got pulled into the Korean church. I was serving the Korean church for three years. And, uh, but once in a while, I'll get this invite from the Southeast Asian Club. Southeast Asian Club. And the, the thing that's interesting when you go to the Southeast Asian Club, it's not just Southeast Asians. It's everybody who loves good food. Everybody. And then as you hang out there, all the aunties, oh, bless their soul. <laughs> They'll bring the food that you don't get to eat in Michigan, <laughs> in the United States. And then once a month, I think it's the last Sabbath of the month, that, that evening there'll be this gathering, this potluck. And they'll bring their food and then we'll gather. And then you see it's not just the Southeast Asian that's invited. You get our African brothers, you get our European brothers, you get the South American, you get the Americans, you get everybody eating together. Those who can take spicy, of course. Because a lot of them are Indonesian and their spiciness is way higher than my normal spiciness. But when you're cold, your spiciness tolerance increases 100 times. And so we'll be eating together, enjoying the food. And then when I was just chatting with one of the uncles, I'm like, Uncle, isn't this a Salvation Club? He said, Yes. Then, but it's not. He said, It is. It is not in the skin color, it is not in the language you speak, it is in your passion for the culture. I'm like, Wow. That's it enjoying the, the, the friendship. I didn't get to chat a lot and uh, learn a little bit of Tagalog because I got Filipino friends, a little bit of Indo-Bahasa, a little bit of Korean, and a little bit of Botswana, African. Uh, I don't know what's that called. Swahili? No, I don't think that's what they speak. And so we hang out together and we were just in this really nice group. So they gave me another picture of such a club of labeling but not labeling. It's easy to label people, and especially today when it's just about staying online and standing your ground. Some of the labelings are not very harmful, but at the same time, I used to be called, I used to always have to calculate how to split the bill at the end of a meal just because I'm Asian. Doesn't mind, it's like, it's a, I'm proud of it. It's like, everybody thinks my math is good? I am good, right? I can have a calculator. <laughs> so my, my colleagues were always, hey, how much did it cost for everybody? Hey, James! I'm like, got it. There you go. I'm like, you guys can't use a calculator, man. Um, but there's different labels, other labels that we can easily put on people just because of their opinion on certain things. And I read an a, a Instagram post recently that really got me, and I'm like, wow, I really want to, <laughs> that, that is like where I'm going towards is by Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. And he's like, you know, I'm so out of this whole having a deep conversation and fighting for a stand thing. If you want to think one plus one equals to five, have fun. That's fine. It's okay. I'm like, yeah, man. There's so many divisive opinion arguments that sometimes we forget to see each other as who we really are. In the uh, Three Kingdom period in China, there was a... a a genius, genius poet by the name of Cao Zhi. He was the brother of Cao Pi, who is the son of Cao Cao, who later dominated the Wei Kingdom. Wei Dynasty. I love Thai, uh, Three Kingdom period. You would know. My people used to read other storybooks. I read the Romance of Three Kingdoms. Um, and one of this, this, he wrote this poem uh, that's become, and it inspired this idiom. This is not the actual poem. The poem is much longer. This is the idiom that was inspired by it. It says, Zhu Dou Ran Dou Qi. 
斗在釜中泣，本是同根生，相煎何太急。What it means is that you're cooking the beans with the stock of the bean, and while you're cooking, the bean is crying in the pot, saying, "We are from the same root. Why are we causing each other pain?" It describes the fact that about this brotherly rivalry, because. Cao Pi got became the emperor, and he was worried about this genius, talented brother that he was persecuting the brother, and so he asked him to write a poem within seven steps, or I'm gonna get you beheaded. And this is what he wrote. It's so easy today that as as people that we stay within our echo chamber, we read things that supports our view, or we believe in things that we like. We look at the hobbies that we are interested in. Then that's all our world is, and especially in the pandemic, we're so siloed that we forget that the person we see online behind the name, the hashtags, whatever thing they used to describe themselves, are not just names or letters on a display board. They are. Actual human beings. They are people. And so today, this morning, I have to share with you four passages, and I hope that I'm not going to tell you what to do with them. I'm going to share with you what I understand from them. But I'm going to let God speak as you read through the passages to speak into your context, because I don't know what are you dealing with. But first, let's turn to Romans chapter eleven. Romans eleven seventeen to eighteen. Romans eleven seventeen and eighteen. Paul talking about the Gentiles and the Jews. It says, "But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, doesn't it sound like the poem? Do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you." Talking about the Gentiles who were at first, you know, prevented from hearing the gospel, wild olive branches, and the Jews bring the original olive branches because they rejected Jesus. They were cut off, and then this wild branch was given an opportunity to be joined to this branch, supported by the same root system, Jesus. And then the problem in the, during this time, why did Paul have to say this? Was because then the Gentiles became proud. Ah, you guys are rejected. I'm the chosen one. I'm the new chosen one. In fact, I believe a lot of Christians today subtly, unconsciously, still hold that view about the Jews. So stupid. So legalistic. So foolish. They rejected Jesus. But do you have a Jewish friend that has a name? Have you spoken with him? Chatted about his beliefs. It's easy for us to just categorize, stereotype, and says those people, those people, Jews, Gentiles. 
put a name to it. You know, one of my bad habits of continually asking God for strength to change and repent from is being angry while I'm driving. Like, I'm going to go down my labeling and stereotyping anger rants. You know, when you're driving in Singapore, there's some people who drive differently. I'm trying to be nice. There's a neglect of the technical blessing of signals in the car. And they come in without a good estimation of depth and distance. And I'll be like, and then, and then I'll drive by. Try, I'll always do this, really bad habit. I'll try to speed up to look at who's the driver. And then I'll, I'll categorize them as something, something, you know. Such a blah, 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 blah. And there was one time where uh, same incident happened. Same incident happened. This guy was from the future lane. I was going down Brattle. You know, there's this future lane that comes in from Topayo. And then this guy, I was going 70, and he came out without checking his blind spot. I have to jam my brake, and he went, and he slowed down. I was like, if you go, go la. He go la, proper English. He go, and then he like, that's 70, right? He, he turned, and then went down to 40. So it's like, brake, 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 brake. I go real close, real close. I didn't even know I had time to horn because it was like sudden. I thought he was going to turn and just go, right? Oh, right? I'm so angry. So I, you know, right? Lo and behold, I turn my head. I know the guy. My friend. Then I realized, ah, yeah, that car, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like, straight, but straight away something happened. I was not angry anymore. I was like, idiot, but it's like funny, you know, like, idiot. I was not angry, I was not like, Rrr. I was like, hmm. And of course, I like signal him, I like, normally if I do this signal, war begins, right? But I like, but he like, <laughs> game over. Of course, after I stopped at church, gave me a call, first word, idiot. And he's like, sorry la, proper English again different. It changes when all of a sudden if you put a face and a name to the person that you're trying to like just objectify, you rehumanize them and it changes a lot of our attitude. So before we jump into putting labels on different people based on different opinions and standing and thinking, put a name to that label. And I bet, I promise you, you will change how you view this thing this situation. Instead of replying on a, a, a Facebook post or Instagram post with 10,000 words of how you disagree with them, find somebody who is maybe of that stand and say, can we meet up and just have a chat? And things is easier. We are just so used to one-way blare conversation. We just like, we don't listen and we just talk and talk and talk and talk. That's what a lot of our posts, our messages are like right now verbal vomit. We don't think of who we're talking to. We don't think about the face, the name, the person. We need to stop objectifying people because that's what the world is doing to us. We need to rehumanize every single soul we're talking to.
2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. As I shared with you before, the two Corinthian books was like a strong letter written by Paul to the church of Corinth, which he has never, ever visited before until later in his imprisonment. But one of the things that I want you to notice that he didn't just write a letter to nobody to tell them off. You can see him seeking to understand who they are. He's seeking to understand these people. He asked those who have worked in Corinth about the people there. He wasn't just coming high and mighty as the apostles to the Gentiles, rebuking the people. No, he was writing to real people who live in Corinth, trying to worship together as a new movement under persecution, caring for one another, making mistakes, committing actions that may not be as acceptable. People. 2 Corinthians 6, 18. It says, And I, God, will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. When we accept Jesus, when we submit ourselves to the Lord, when we submit ourselves to God, when we say that we're willing and we accept this wonderful adoption into the family. We're saying that from now on, we acknowledge that all humanity has become family. Brothers, sisters. That even the person that totally disagrees with you, that you totally do not like their view on anything, be it political stand, the economical position, be their, their view on social media, on humanity, on behaviors, ethical, moral behavior, as different as they are from you. They are your siblings. They are sons and daughters of God. They're not just an object, a label, a thing, someone who disagrees with you. They are family. Even the person you hate is your family. Hard saying, eh? As I said, I'm sharing from my journey, not, I, not that I've achieved, but I'm striving. Remind myself daily who I'm speaking to is a son or daughter of God. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 to 3. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 to 3. says here, Judge not that you be not judged. For what the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The next verse seems harsh, but actually it's quite humorous. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? very vivid image that until we realize where we're standing with God, we have this log in our eye, and if we're trying to help others and take out the speck in their eyes, our log will be hitting their head left and right. we do more harm and injury rather than help them remove the speck. 
to recognize that where we stand is no better than the next person. We are all sinners in need of grace. As much as you can say, but I've been faithful, but you still claim salvation through the blood of Jesus, his death on the cross. There's no bigger sin, lesser sin, better salvation, lesser salvation. All are sinners in need of grace. When you realize where you are, how you stand, then it's easier to not judge others. It's easy when you read the news, you read the different things, silly things people do, and you'd be like, <sighs> you try to judge, you know? One of the most judgmental activities daily when I do is I read the newspaper and I judge all the people. Full judgment, proclaim. Who am I? Do I know them? Do I know the person? Have I spoken to them? Read and then go, okay. May not agree, but remind myself not to judge another's child of God. This includes the murderers in the prison who has been convicted to be guilty. One of the worst murderer I know lives in Hong Kong, prison ministry. I don't think the family members that he murdered will ever accept this, but you can say he's a murderer, he's a convict, he's a monster. But more than 500 inmates have come to Jesus through his ministry. He's never getting out, but he's not stopping. So what? 500 people who he saved could have gone out and killed 500 people, but they didn't because they heard about the gospel from a convicted murderer, a monster in the prison. Life sentence. Easy to judge, huh? Easy to make a statement of who somebody is. But you never know where they're going. You never know what happened. I can tell you, you can say, no, he's still a monster until it strikes you. If your child became one of those that he saved, what would you say about this person? You need to stop labeling people based on their actions, based on their mistakes, based on their viewpoint, their opinion, their stance. Stop objectifying others and rehumanize our view of them to see that they are humans, they're child of God, children just like you. And finally, to our scripture reading, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 4. Philippians 2, verse 3 to 4. Scripture reading for today. That's like my, my passage of meditation for a month before I wrote the sermon today. It's so difficult. So hard. I think that's why it's not up to me, thank God. To apply this verse into my life depends on God's spirit in my heart. Philippians 2, 3 to 4 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Nothing. 
can't do that. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Some translation says, value them as more valuable than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. It's so easy during this time of challenges that we just look at what benefits me, what I like, and it's normal. I do that all day. But the Bible challenges us. That's why I thank God that's the Word of God to remind me how I'm living. It's not just how I should be, but the Bible presents a model that I need to strive toward by the help of the Holy Spirit. That God is saying that the attitude of all who have accepted Him into your life as disciples of Jesus, we must look at others as being more valuable. Not to look down on yourself, but just to recognize that whoever I'm talking to is precious, redeemed by the blood of Christ. And honestly, if everybody has this thing where they look at one another as valuable, as precious, everybody will be blessed by such a culture and an environment. But now we don't. We look at how am I better than that person. We fight for the lowest. He's lower, he's lower, he's lower, he's lower. Or as a society, we just become lesser than what we're supposed to be. But God wants to elevate us because as you strive and look at value, they say, no, 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 you're more valuable. No, 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 you're more valuable. We raise together in our value as a culture, as a people, as a society. You're aiming down or you're aiming up. There's an interesting phenomenon in archery that if you aim for the target, if an arrow goes high, like you're, you're shooting, right? The arrow goes high. Natural instinct, I aim lower, right? Just to adjust it. But the crazy thing is if you aim lower, the arrow goes higher. So instead of compensating this way, you have to go, the arrow's too high, I'll go higher. So in, a, in other words, if your arrow's going too low, you don't try to aim higher, you aim a bit lower because the arrow has this flex action. So if you go left, you have to go, it will go the other way. So, so the Bible is telling us if you want to rise higher, you have to be more humble. It's not trying to elevate yourself that as the people you'll be higher. The more you try to push yourself up, the lower you become. The more you aim to be humble, the more you aim to be low, the more you aim to be submissive, the everybody rises up. Don't be afraid to lose out a little bit in the beginning. God will make it up to you. So the few actually, oh, this is really small. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But these are some nine things that I, I adopted from this website. A, a friend who chongs worship. Um, they are an Asian couple. The wife is born in Melbourne. The husband, uh, they all moved to New Zealand and they're living in New Zealand right now. One's from Hong Kong, one's from Malaysia, but it's like half Taiwanese, a bit like Lucas, you know, like Ta- Malaysian Taiwanese. Anyway. Uh, anyway, so these are nine things they wrote in a blog recently about what we can do to esteem others. Alright, so don't assume, number one, don't assume others have exactly the same evil motives as you find in your own heart. But rather put the best possible interpretation on their actions. Don't think of like me, that's me, right? I'm like always like, I always think of the most evil intentions. No, just like give them a chance, right? Better for the doubt. 
10,000 times maybe, right? Look for those virtuous qualities in others that you know you are most in need of yourself. You know what? More judgmental of things that we lack. Then seek their help in acquiring those qualities. Instead, look at what they have that you don't have and say, can you help me develop that? Right? Three, don't assume that your time, money, energy, thoughts, and opinions are more valuable than your neighbors. Everybody's time, money, resource, everything's, everybody's one is, is valuable, right? You're not more valuable than your neighbors, right? When making a decision, consider not only how that decision will affect your own interests, but also how you affect the interests of others. Think of the community. Don't just think of yourself. Be alert not only to your own needs, but also to the needs of others. Demonstrate your high estimation of others by commending them for those qualities that are biblically worthy of praise. Look for the good. Find things and then mention it. I have a neighbor who Lucas really likes because every time he sees Lucas, he'll see, ooh, handsome boy. And then Lucas is like, I like that, uncle. <laughs> see, very, very child-naive instincts, right? It comes out, right? Guard your heart from developing a pattern, a repeated pattern and, and sound of critical, condemnatory, accusatory, uh, accusatory, judgmental thoughts about others. That's me. My brain always accuses people. Bad driver. You don't know how to drive. You didn't pass basic theory tests. <laughs> like, that's, that's me. Right? So don't do that. Pray. One of the best things to win an enemy or to, convert, to, to, to defeat an enemy is make them your friend. They can't be your enemy anymore. Make your worst enemy your friend. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ, and that's all humanity. But specifically those that you know and may not like very much. Pray for them. You can you find yourself find it harder to hate them. But the first prayer is the hardest. I try to apply. I'm still don't feel a lot better, but I do feel better. There was a person that I really, we had some misunderstanding that really the first time when I was convicted, I should pray for that person. I couldn't say anything. I like, God, you know, yep, amen. That's all I could make. That's all I could. I couldn't even mention that person's name. Got better. Took years of practice, two years into it, three years into it. I'm still praying, though, so though that person is still not my friend <laughs> fully. But I'm getting better. I can mention full names, and, and I could try to put myself in that person's shoe and go, maybe that person is struggling with this. You know what the person needs, provide for that person. But I still haven't been able, just be honest, just to be really honest, I can't reach the point in prayer that says, let us reconcile. I can't yet. Working towards that. Maybe next year. Trying. Right? Pray for your brothers and sisters. Don't have to like, God bless them, make them really happy. Start easy, right? Start easy. Remind yourself often that God has given to you everything you have to be proud of and that He has often used others to get you where you are. Thank God and thank those whom He has used to bless you, even though their action may not be very positive, but think about how that negative action maybe have helped shape you. For boys who went through NS, think of your, your, <laughs> your, your, your morning drills. You know, when they come and say, push-up position, all of us hate them. But then soon you find yourself being able to do 5, 10, 20, drop 50. Sir, I drop 100 for you. How did you get there? Not from like, would you please do 10 push-ups for me, thanks? No, it's like, 20, 
Hold. Recover. 20 more. Recover. 20 more. Spell 20. <laughs> One. Oh. And. And then soon, hey, you got fit, right? PTI, eh? <laughs> not always good experience, but sometimes good outcome, if not for that. Thank you. Shall we pray? Father God, you heard we've told us through the scripture. The Father, as humans, we strive against it. So Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit to be upon all who are here, online and in person. They work in our hearts to love you and love them as you love them, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. So thank you, Pastor Jim, for the uh, wonderful sermon. Remember, uh, what, was, what verse was that? Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. What did the Lord God Almighty say? That I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. So let's do this closing song, Holy, Holy, Holy.
you receive the benediction. May the love of God the Father, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you on this Sabbath day and the week to come until we meet. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.